Welcome to another edition of Matt's Warehouse. I am your host, Matthew Anderson. We have a ton to get to, so we're going to go ahead and jump right into it. The South Carolina Gamecocks played down to the competition yet again, but did end up getting the win on homecoming night against the Vanderbilt Commodores. Vanderbilt got off to a fast start with the early drive for a touchdown, but after that, they slowed down and played as we expect Vanderbilt to play and lost the game 24-7. Brian Edwards had a monster game with 14 receptions for 139 yards and one touchdown. One of the things that I believe that is going to help him get on NFL rosters, not only is he a good receiver, but he also can work in the, especially for a big guy like that, be able to return punts. That's not normal. So I think he'll make a roster anyway. Be interesting to see if he gets drafted or undrafted free agency. I would assume that he would get drafted, but after Simi Cobbs, who was all big, t- was all big t- receiver like two years ago from Indiana, went undrafted. I really just don't know about that because there's so many receivers in the league. Also, Shai Smith and among a lot of other Gamecocks were out, including Rico Dowdle, Dylan Wanham, and a ton of others. All you had to do was look at the sideline and see all the guys with sweatshirts on, with jerseys on top of them, and all those guys were hurt. Or let's say, like, walk on and stuff like that. But it was a large list of them. In this game, tight end Nick Muse, who's number nine, towards ACL and be out for the rest of the season. That came early in the first quarter, so that's unfortunate to hear. And also, receiver Josh Van broke his hand. So they'll be looking to see if they can get him back maybe for Clemson. But usually what happens, the reason the broken hands are a problem, especially if they're a lot of times if you're a right dominant guy and it's your right hand because obviously it's tough to tuck the football and you can't really be out there if you can't tuck the football because you're going to have turnovers and that's the, another quick way to lose games. The amount of injuries on this roster is insane. The team really got looking at some yoga or some different approaches besides just strength and conditioning because obviously that's not working. Towards the later end of the, the back end of the season, you need your players to be available in almost every. And I, we get it, it's football, so everybody's a little dinged up or not. But you shouldn't have the, almost the whole entire roster with like major injuries and stuff like that. So they're gonna have to work on that. Halinski ran the ball a little bit. That was nice to see. I think he watched the film of the Tennessee game. Was like y'all. Well, obviously, we're like, y'all. But he was watching the game. He was like, I could have ran a couple of these first downs besides trying to force some of these throws and end up or just waiting back there and getting hit. So it's nice to see him take off running a little bit. I think as he becomes, because he's still a little hurt. I can tell he limps around a little bit. Whenever he's full speed, probably going into next year, he'll probably be able to use both of those. You know, he also had to carry on Joiner, who was able to get in the game a little bit. That was nice to see. I expected, I don't. I think what's happening is he's realizing how different it is in college than it was in high school. Because a lot of these runs, he actually won a state championship at Williams Bryce as a sophomore. And he was a, a dual, dual threat quarterback. But now he's seeing how in this SEC, even if he gets out, out of the pocket and runs away, those guys are just as fast as him. So I think that's a little been, been a little bit surprising to him. Another huge bright spot in this game was Deshaun Fenwick, who came out of nowhere. He had 18 Ks for 103 yards. He's number 14. He is from the state of Florida, and he is six foot one, two hundred thirty pounds. And so when Tavion was limping a little bit, they, the Gamecocks got the shot deep. Their running back room was by just plugging this guy, and he had a great game. Also, Kevin Harris had a couple carries. He had ten carries, and that was great to see because he was supposed to be had he was supposed to have had a season-ending injury. So the fact that he's able to get back and be and play in this game, especially whenever they're low on numbers, not low on numbers, but a lot of their top guys to run back was hurt. It's great to see. They will play App State next week. That will be another night game under under the lights in Willie Bryce. Williams Bryce, excuse me. We're gonna move to the upstate where Clemson steamrolled over Walford. 
winning 59 to 14. Not really too much to talk about there. This is how it's going to be for Clemson for now, for a little while there. A lot of teams were on buys, including LSU this week, including LSU, Alabama, and Ohio State. Probably not the best week for ratings for college football. I don't know why they allowed that to happen because it's like if all these guys are off, those fan bases are going golf and stuff. They're just not watching college football at all. There are still two undefeated teams that nobody's talking about, like specifically. People are talking about Penn State, so I don't include them in this. But you have Baylor and Minnesota, and I'll talk about these two teams a little bit later in the episode. We're going to stay in the South, though, where Georgia beat Florida with final score of 24-17. to Georgia had the Gators up 16-3, and Florida just never was able to catch up. I thought in the fourth quarter the Kyle Trask was going to pull it together, but they just couldn't do it. You can see the, the head coach for... Florida cussing out one of his assistants for not being able to get the guys aligned. I thought that was something to see. I'm surprised more people didn't make a meme of that on Twitter because that was something. I know that coach hates it. It's like you get like that, you get fussed out like that by your head coach, and then it's on national, like the cameras happen to catch it on national TV. So that's, and you're like grown, you know, that that's never fun, but it is what it is. It's part of the business. Emotions are high, a lot of money's on the line. In this game, DeAndre Swift had 25 carries for 86 yards. That's a lot of carries, but in the SEC, that's kind of what you expect when you sign a national letter of intent to play running back. You're kind of like a work a workhorse. This is also why a lot of times a lot of people don't like playing the SEC, especially running backs, because you get these type of carries in college. So by the time you get to the NFL, like you're, you've gotten some of the miles taken off of you, but that's how it goes. Jake Fromm played a little bit better. Uh, 20 for 30 for 279 yards and two touchdowns. So for pretty much every time he threw the ball, there's 66% chance that the receiver was going to catch it. So better. They got the win. That's all that matters. This game was in Jacksonville, by the way. Lawrence Cajun, number 15 for Georgia, had seven catches for 132 yards, including the one pass where he got kind of lost behind the Florida coverage. It was really good. The way the offense coordinator drew that play up, it was, it was really good because he gets lost behind the coverage. Fromm finds him. He runs for the rest of it for a touchdown. He was kind of open, too, so nobody was going to catch him. Georgia just about punched their ticket to Atlanta for the SEC Championship game. They got to take care of business against Auburn, and I think they call it the Dirty South rivalry. Whatever it's called, they got to take care of business against Auburn, and they'll be in Atlanta. So Georgia continues to find their way to Atlanta while this SEC East is down. But I will tell you, Florida's coming. Florida's on the way. So just hang on in there, Gators. Y'all will be, I feel like, within the next two to three years, y'all playing at least one SEC Championship game. Staying in the South, LSU will face Alabama this week in Tuscaloosa. Tua is progressing. I think he'll play. He has a younger brother on the team, but so if you see during like the warm-ups this on Saturday, like another tongue of a low, I think he's number five. Don't be like, what's going on? Yeah, he has a younger brother on the team. In this game, most think this will be an air raid, which is very unusual for this SEC rivalry. I remember back when Tyron Matthew and Dante Hightower and those guys were playing, it was a low-scoring game, and it, was, and it was just so physical that the next day all the players were sore. And even guys who don't usually spend time in the training room said they had to go get IVs or therapy. I think I remember Dante Howard specifically saying that. But this year is going to be a little different. You got Joe Burrow and his wide receiver duo versus Tua and their wide receiver trio as long as Tua plays. Neither defense is what it what is usually has been, but nevertheless, there's talent all around. Probably NFL prospects all around. To clear your schedules, 3:30 Saturday on CBS is going down. I cannot wait. Now, like I said earlier, Baylor is undefeated. They're number 11 in the country, <clears throat> and we'll play TCU this coming Saturday. And then their next big test will actually their next big test will actually be next week when they play Oklahoma. 
Oklahoma's pretty much out of the playoff, in my opinion. Minnesota, I don't see a way they can really get in unless they need, they need a lot of the top teams to lose. I would love to see them, but I just don't know if that could happen. Minnesota is number 13 in the country, and they will be tested this Saturday as they take on undefeated Penn State. I'm pretty sure that game is on noon on ABC, so tune into that one. That'll be a big one for the Big Ten. Utah, uh, it, it really infuriates me because Utah cannot beat Southern Cal because if they could, the Pac-12 would have a team right now that is like in a very good position to be able to go represent the Pac-12 in the college football playoff, but because they just cannot seem to... And it's not even a David and Goliath situation like it used to be. They were supposed to win that game, but because they can't do it, now they sit out at the outside looking in at number eight, and they need a ton of help when, uh, just like um, <clears throat> just like Oklahoma to get in. So I don't know if it's going to happen. Utah, that's clearly on your fault. The Pac-12 should hate you guys because if you get in the college football playoff, they would have gotten every team in the Pac-12 would have gotten a big check, and it just looks like that's not going to happen. Speaking of Utah, former... Ohio State coach Urban Meyer at one point coached the Utah. He did an excellent job. They really kind of brought that that program to national light. Anyway, Southern Cal will be going after him for that coaching job. I really want him to take it, but I don't know if his health will allow it. But if his health will allow, please go out there, Urban Meyer, because that will make the that will make Southern Cal relevant again. And he, Urban Meyer gets programs turned over quickly. When he says one thing that he does to be able to do that is he doesn't look at most colleges coaches when they go to a program they say okay I got to get my guys in here. Urban Meyer doesn't look at it like that. He looks at it more so as these are my guys. Like the guys that are in this roster, we're going to do the best that we can with them. And that really saves a lot of time because otherwise what you have is a situation where you wait two to three years to get your players in. The fan base just has to be patient. And as we know in college football, most fan bases are not patient. So then a lot of times guys end up getting fired. But Urban Meyer can get a program turned over really quickly. I'm, he's done a really good job at the broadcast. I'm a big fan of him, but I really want him back on the sidelines. Like I said, if his health permits. Also, Willie Taggart, Florida State former head coach, was fired after losing to Miami. He's had a tough year. He's losing a lot of get, losing a lot of games that they weren't really supposed to lose. They got kind of blown out by Miami in this game. It wasn't as bad as the score suggested, for my opinion, though. But they lost the game, nevertheless. Those people are tired of losing. I understand it. So he's out. Be interested to see who they bring in next. We're gonna move to the NFL, where the Houston Texans played the Jacksonville Jaguars in London. The Texans won this game 26-3. Deshaun Watson is incredible. He's on GOAT status. This man is literally one of the hardest guys to take down the field. He's not as big as Cam Newton. Deshaun's like 6'2", 6'3", like 220. Obviously, Cam's like 250 and like 6'5". But when you get your hands on him, he isn't going to the ground necessarily. He is so good at finding a guy open on his way down. He seems to literally know where everybody is on the field. It's like watching backyard football. It comes to football camp. We just call it Sweeney Ball. That's what he plays, and it's whatever it takes to advance the ball all rules go down he's gotten so much better at sliding also rather than taking the big hit i've noticed in the open field now he's gonna take some hits in the backfield like that's just how it goes because he's trying to stay up to the last minute and trying to find a guy so with that being said gives defensive players an extra couple seconds to come knock him out but whenever he gets to running down the field nowadays he's willing to slide or go out of bounds more so than he was when he first entered the league one thing that's so incredible about this game they just played it was just coming off a swollen eye after being kicked in the face. And that eye was swollen all week, and he still came out, produced in London, got the win. Carlos Hyde also had a big game. He had 19 carries for 160 yards. Deshaun Watson went 22 for 28 for 201 yards and two touchdowns. 
And DeAndre Hopkins had the most receptions with eight catches for 48 yards. So the Texans keep rolling even when they leave the country. Now, a lot of people don't talk about Gardner Minshew, who is a quarterback for the Jacksonville Jaguars. He plays a little edge to him, probably because he's a six-round pick from Washington State. But I think they almost might release Foles or trade him because they feel like they might have their quarterback within Gardner Minshew because he's a really good quarterback. He went 27 for 47 for 309 yards. They just couldn't find the end zone. While the while the Texans dominated this game, it was only 19-3. The Jacksonville defense kind of kept them in the game, but their offense just couldn't put any points in the board. So don't always just look at the score. We're going to stay in the ASC where the Ravens did indeed defeat the Patriots with a final score of 37-20. The Ravens had the Patriots up 17-0 early in the game and the Pats and had the Patriots defense looking not as sharp as usual. One thing that surprised me was the amount of turnovers the Ravens were able to force on that Patriots offense. That usually doesn't happen on Bill Belichick teams. And also how big of a, a big of an asset Sanu has been to this team. Sanu had 10 catches so did Edelman for uh, one of which Sanu had what 81 yards and Edelman had 89 but nevertheless they're using Sanu a lot they've just gotten on that team so he was kind of like exactly what they needed he's not the fastest guy but he can get over he's like a he's like a wide receiver version of a tight end if that makes sense he's a big guy he can get catch passes stuff like that he's not really gonna run away from people like that too much though that crowd was electric though in Baltimore this little three-headed tight end attack they have is really working for their working to for their advantage because you can hit any three of those guys. You got Mark Andrews, you got, you got Hayden Hurst, and I can't think of the other guys. The impression of the name is Bull. But that three-headed tight end is something you don't really see too much in the NFL. The closest thing you've seen to that, in my opinion, would be whenever you have Aaron Hernandez and Rob Gronkowski. But those guys are all able to make plays. And Lamar Jackson's really good at finding them. And as we know, Lamar Jackson is just special. He gets the bike, he gets the football to the guys in open space and lets them make plays. Hollywood Brown was a great draft pick for them. That's exactly what they needed. Somebody could take the edge off of the uh, defense. And, you know, Hollywood Brown's one of them Florida guys. So he's real fast, too. So between him and Lamar, that's speed, not to mention the rest of the roster. But anyway, they got the win in this game. Big one for Baltimore. Don't understand how Baltimore can beat them, but can beat the Patriots with Tom Brady, but lose to the the Browns. But they just found a way to do it. They just found a way to do it. But it doesn't matter. They got the win. This is a huge game for them, a huge confidence booster for Lamar as well. Staying in the the AFC where the Broncos defeated the Browns, which is so disappointing for Browns fans. I I was kind of a Browns fan because I'm a big Odell Beckham fan, but this this is just disappointing. Brandon Allen's their quarterback. He's a six-round pick from Arkansas in 2016. As we know, in 2016, Arkansas hasn't really been anything for a while. They weren't very good in 2016, so this guy just came in. I'm not going to say he balled out, but he definitely played better than what I was expecting. I expected the Browns to kind of roll over him, especially with the Browns having the former first pick in the draft being Baker Mayfield. But Brandon Allen went 12 for 20 for 193 yards and two touchdowns. The league uh, had to tell Jarvis Odell to go change their cleats or they couldn't play anymore. One thing to look at here, Sutton. Sutton came from SMU. He's a receiver for the Broncos, 14. He's huge, like 6'5", 6'4". He's going to be a monster in the league. Yeah, he had five catches in this game. He had a touchdown. But trust me, he's going to be a monster in this league. He trains in Florida out there with the Chris Carter's gym, XBE Sports, and Tony. Can't think of the guy's last name. But keep an eye out on Sutton. Sutton is going to be a force to be reckoned with next year. 
looking for uh, next year if you're looking like looking progressively into what's coming next. Make sure you get him on your fantasy team as he continues to develop. I think he'll be one of the top receivers in the league, especially with how big he is. Like I said, Cleveland was supposed to win that game. They were supposed to go on this like eight eight or nine, I think eight games. I think they were supposed to go on an eight-game win streak because all these teams were kind of subpar. But they just can't pull it together. I think they're... I think their organization kind of in turmoil here because it's like you you spend so much money on Odell Beckham, but then they don't really get the ball to him. So it's like, why are y'all paying? Just from a business aspect, why are you paying the guy $19 million you can't get the ball to him? I would look for the Odell to be traded next season if they didn't have, the, if they would not have given away those uh, draft picks. But I think once you give away those draft picks and stuff for them, you kind of got to keep them. But for them to have him and Jarvis Landry on the same team and not be able to pull it together, it's super disappointing. And just to make matters worse, Jermaine Whitehead, after the loss of one of the players on the team, one of the defense players on the team, is threatening the media via Twitter and using racial slurs, so the Browns have officially cut him. So that just goes to show you what it's really looking like in the locker room over there in Cleveland. So hopefully they can pull together some wins and get this thing going, but it is not looking too promising. The Chiefs beat the Vikings. Uh, Matt Moore with the final score of 26-23. The game was won on the Chief, uh, when the Chiefs kicker hit a game-winning kick as time expired. Matt Moore, who was Patrick Mahomes' backup, went 25-35 for 275 yards and 275 yards. And that's not bad for a guy who was coaching high school football before he got the call. The Kansas City Chiefs need him. Most people remember Matt Moore from before whenever he was the backup for the Panthers. But Tyreek Hill. Had a great game, six catches, 140 yards. He really showed his speed run. when the running back took off. Run, the running back had the ball, took off around, I think, 40, 50 yards. And Tyreek Hill caught him and kind of, like, passed him. That showed you as much as you need to know how, how fast Tyreek Hill really is. Probably the fastest player in the league. And last but not least, the Panthers defeated the Titans with the final score of 30-20, to 20, improving to 5-3. and three. McCaffrey had 24 carries for 146 yards and two touchdowns. A lot of people were questioning McCaffrey when he came out of Stanford. But this guy's really showed y'all he's the truth. And, like, a lot of people think he's not an every-down back. Well, this man has 24 carries in the NFL, 146 yards. And he does it week I mean, he does it week in and week out. So, kudos to him. The Panthers are still waiting to hear about Cam. Cam, is, the plan is not to have surgery, but he is going to have to meet with the medical staff again because I don't think the recovery is happening as quick as they want him to. At this point, it's going to be like, Cam, are we just going to, we just going to miss you for the whole year? Because the, the injury is not recovering as they were expected it to. They knew they were going to give him time, but, you know, in the NFL, it's all about, like, we need that time to be speed up, sped up as quick as possible. So, well, we're going to see what happens with that. Hopefully, Cam heals up and gets back to this team before they mess around and figure, to figure out they want to use Kyle for the rest of the time and trade him. So, we're going to see what happens. Uh, this has been another edition of Matt's Sporthouse. Thanks for listening. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns, hit me on Twitter. It's literally Matt's Sporthouse. Or if you can't find that, just hit me at Matt, the chosen one. I'll send you the Twitter account. We can make that happen. But like I said, thanks for listening, and I look forward to talking to you guys next week. All right, thanks.